Luke chapter 7. We'll be starting out of there this morning. So this is our last week. We're going to be wrapping up our series on worship. For the past couple of weeks, we've been going over what worship is and our definition of worship. If you've been with us from the start of the series, worship is two words. What is it? Love expressed. Thank you, Mitch, and a few other people. Worship is love expressed, right? Because if you love God, you will express it, and how you express it is your worship to God. If you don't love God, you won't express it, and you will not worship God. And last week we talked about how worship isn't confined anymore just to the sanctuary. Worship now, because Jesus came, he busted worship out of a box. Now we are called to worship outside of the church as well as inside. Worship doesn't start when we stand to sing songs. Worship truly begins when you walk out of those doors. Amen. So worship is love expressed. Worship is encountering God and expressing it outside of the church. Today we're going to be talking about what your worship looks like. Right? And we're going to be studying in Luke how there's two different people that we're going to be kind of looking over. Two different styles of worship. And I want to say that God has been truly convicting your pastor as I've been studying about worship. God, and it's a good thing that your pastor gets convicted, right? God has been convicting my heart. And God asked me specifically, not specifically Dumplin' Baptist, because I pray for you guys and I pray for my wife and my family. But God asked me, Donnie, what type of worshiper are you? And I choked out an answer. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But there are two people, two different worshipers. And I want you to ask yourself as we go through, what does your worship look like? Let's pray and ask God to focus our minds and speak to us this morning. God, thank you uh, for just being a good God. Thank you for being here this morning, God. We feel your presence. We feel your spirit, Father. Lord, we pray that you continue to move in our hearts, God, that you continue to move in our lives and that you would convict us today, God. Lord, forgive me of my sins, God. I pray that you use me as your microphone, that you speak the words that need to be spoken, God. And Lord, I pray that we do not leave unchanged, God, that we leave expecting you to move and give us opportunities to worship you outside of this church, God. We love you. Show us the scripture. It's your son's name. Amen. Turn to Luke chapter 7. We're going to be starting in verse 36. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And I'm reading, if you're new, I read out of the English Standard Version. And I will try to help you stay along if you read in something else. Luke 7, verse 36. And it says this. One of the Pharisees asked him, which is Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, here's a little context, a little background. Jesus has been going around doing his ministry. And and these Pharisees, we know as these false teachers, these guys who believe that they are holier than thou, right? Does anybody know anybody like that? Right? You don't have to raise your hand, right? Because I know you do, right? Maybe some of you are them. I don't know, right? But (laughs) forgive me for that one. But Jesus is going around and these Pharisees, they're trying in every way that they can to get something on Jesus. They're trying to get some type of dirt on Jesus so they can get him persecuted, basically to get him killed. They saw Jesus as a threat because of the ministry and the things that he was doing as the son of God. So Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's house, Simon the Pharisee. 
Right? And this isn't uncommon. Jesus has been asked to come into sinners' house before. But there's a difference between this moment and another. In this moment, the Pharisee wasn't inviting Jesus in to worship him. He was inviting Jesus in to find out if he can get him caught up. Right? In California, in Modesto, we say, catch him right and dirty. Right? We're trying to catch Jesus. This is the context. So look at verse 37. It says, And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. This is what worship looks like. That is what it looks like as love being expressed to worship Jesus. More than likely, this woman, they, they, the scriptures call her a sinful woman, right? More than likely, she was a prostitute. The way that the Pharisees were condemning her um, makes it clear that she wasn't known in the community for doing good things, right? This, this woman had some sin in her past. This woman had something about her that labeled her as a sinner, labeled her as an outcast, labeled her as someone who wasn't worthy to be in their presence. How many of you have ever felt like that because of the things that's happened in your life? Maybe the decisions that you've made in your life felt like you're too dirty, you're not worthy enough to be in the presence of Jesus. I know I have. We'll come back to that in a minute. This woman who was this outcast, who, who was a sinner, who was labeled as a sinner, believed that there was something about Jesus that made her want to go into the house and, sit and lay next to Jesus. Right? As Jesus reclined, it wasn't like a lazy boy. Jesus would lay and they would lay next to the table. There was something about Jesus that caused this woman to come behind and stand and kneel at Jesus' feet. There was something about Jesus that the woman understood that would cause her to weep. Have you ever just weeped because for no reason, you don't know why you were crying, you were just crying? There was no reason. She was weeping at the feet, and she would cry enough to wash the dirt off of Jesus' feet. There was something about Jesus that caused this woman to use her own hair to dry off Jesus' feet. There was something about Jesus that caused this woman to give him this ointment that she had, probably the most expensive thing that she owned, and to break it open and pour it onto Jesus' feet. There was something about Jesus that caused this woman to worship him. You guys with me this morning? There was something about Jesus. I want you to turn over to Revelation chapter 4. And in my quiet time, in my personal devotion, I, I spend time in the Old Testament, time in the Gospel, and time in um, uh, one of the other New Testament letters. And I've been in Revelation, and it's been really good. Right? Skipped right, bobbing his head. Yeah, it is. Right? And I want you to, to see what I saw this week and how God has been challenging me in Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 9. To, to give a little contact, this is John's letter describing the end time that God had allowed him to see in a vision. Right? And, and chapter 4 is talking about the throne room of heaven. The throne room of heaven. And we see God sitting on his throne. There's thunder. There's lightning. There's, it's just, it's awesome. 
Right? And we see these elders in there and they're worshiping God. We see these four um, beautiful creatures. They're worshiping God day in, day out, praising God, singing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God the Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. This is the throne room of heaven. How amazing is that? And I want you to see in what I saw this week and how God is challenging me. Look at Revelation 4, starting in verse 9. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on, seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, crying out, verse 11, Worthy are you, O our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Worship is love expressed. The throne room of heaven is characterized by never-ending worship, never-ending praise. That is the throne room of heaven. It's never-ending joyful noise and thanksgiving and worship toward God our Father. And we get to see something amazing that, that helped me understand worship. And I'm hoping this will help you a little bit too. Verse 11, one more time. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Worthy are you, Lord. This is the beginning point of worship. How you begin to worship is realizing and understanding that God is completely 100% worthy of our praise. There's nothing else worthy enough for you to boast about and to praise in your life other than God. And if you are praising and boasting about something in your life, it's probably because God gave it to you. And you should probably boast in Him rather than in yourself. You should probably worship Him rather than the things that He created. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is completely worthy To be praised and recognized for his unequaled glory and honor and power and his work as the creator and sustainer of all things. That is why we express our love for God because God is worthy. His glory, his beauty, his power. He is the highest honor and he is worthy of worship because not just as he has he created everything. Here's a little Little newsflash for you. He's making it happen right now. God is running this thing right now. We don't run one thing in this world. God is the sustainer. He is worthy. He holds all things in his hands. He is God and worthy to be praised. Worthy to be worshipped. Worship is Love expressed and worship is an encounter with God. Going back into Luke, go ahead and turn back to Luke chapter 7. And going back into the, to the, the story of the woman, right? There was something about Jesus that caused her to worship him. There was something about Jesus that caused her to, regardless of how she felt about herself, knowing her past, knowing who she was, there was something, diff- there was something about Jesus that caused her to go into the house, Right? We're going to come back to that in a second. But do you remember in the beginning I said there's two people, that two different worshipers, and you either fall into one of those two people. The first week of, of the sermon series, we said that everybody's a worshiper. 
You can worship God, you can worship your money, you can worship your car. And I, and I said in the first week, I pray to God that you do not worship the football team at Tennessee University, right? I pray you don't worship them. But everybody's a worshiper, specifically two kinds. And we're going to get to the second worshiper now. Look at verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Okay, remember Simon the Pharisee, right? He didn't invite Jesus over to hang out with him. He didn't invite him over to tell him, Jesus, you're awesome. I want to tell you what you've done in my life. He brought Jesus into his house so that he could persecute him. That, that's pretty messed up, right? You don't invite someone over to try to get them arrested somewhere down the line. Right? You don't do that. This is what this Pharisee did. He was trying to catch Jesus. So when he saw this woman, this woman coming in and, and touching his feet and crying and using this expensive ointment on Jesus' feet, he thought, I got him. If, if he was really God's son, if he was really who he says he is, he would already know who this woman is and he wouldn't even let this woman touch him. Right? And so the Pharisee Simon thought, man, I got him. And, and what's funny to me is that, uh, that Simon, I want you to see the difference between the woman and Simon. The woman, this prostitute, wanted to express her love for Jesus, came in like a servant in those days and washed Jesus' feet. She didn't, she didn't look him in the eye. She didn't shake his hand. She, didn't, she got by his feet and with her tears washed his feet. With the most expensive thing she probably owned. Anointed his feet. Kissing on his feet. His greeting. His showing respect. And with her own hair. Right? Knowing in that culture, the prostitute women, that hair was everything. That was their money maker. Right? To be frank. Use her hair to dry off Jesus' feet. You know his feet was dirty, right? Washed his feet. Dried his feet. Look at what Simon did. Right? He, he didn't do anything but just invite Jesus in to catch him up. The Pharisee looked at Jesus and thinks he isn't who he says he is. He doesn't even know who this woman is and what she has done. That's called pride. When you can look at someone, you can condemn somebody for their past and what they're currently caught up in. Simon didn't even realize that he was condemning Jesus. Simon didn't even realize what he was doing was sin. He was just being prideful. You guys with me with that? He was being, no one's saying anything on that one, right? I might need to do a sermon series on pride, Brother Don, right? He was being prideful. The Pharisee thought of himself so holy that they distanced themselves from sinners. Unlike Jesus, you guys with me? Unlike Jesus, who is a friend of sinners. The Pharisee said, you are dirty, you can't be around me because I'm so and so. Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. Jesus is the friend of sinners. But Jesus hits him with something like Jesus normally does, right? Look at verse 41. It says... Uh, just as Jesus saying, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay the money back, he canceled the debt of both. 
Now, which of them will love more? Verse 33, Simon answered, the one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Verse 44, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Verse 35, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Verse 37, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. You guys with me right now? Jesus uses a story about the money lender, and to make it short, he's just trying to get across that a person who is forgiven a lot appreciates it a lot more. Right? If you if you are forgiven greatly, if you've been forgiven and getting grace upon grace upon grace, you would think that you would praise more and worship more and give back more because of how grateful you are for that forgiveness. So this is what Jesus is trying to say. So Simon tells him, or Jesus tells Simon, that unlike the sinful woman, you, Simon, have failed to give me glory and honor. You have failed to acknowledge my power and my presence. Simon, the Pharisee, didn't even give Jesus water to wash his feet, didn't give him a kiss of greeting. He didn't even give hospitality like anybody else in that culture would have done. He simply invited Jesus in. Y'all see that quotation I'm doing, right? Uh, That's me being sarcastic. He invited Jesus in. The woman worshipped. Are you guys with me right now? Simon basically just invited Jesus into his house. And what that looks like today and what makes me so sad and I have this burden because I see it so often is today I see so many people who have trusted in Jesus. So many people who have said, I have invited Jesus in my heart. But when you look at their lives, they are not grateful. It's like they never were a sinner. It's like they've forgotten what sin does to them. They've forgotten what Jesus went through. And I see them live life like They don't even care. But brother, I've invited Jesus in my heart. I I believe in Jesus. He's in my heart, brother. What's wrong with Christianity in America today is that we have grown completely numb when it comes to how evil and how wicked and how destructive and how much God hates sin. We have grown numb to it. We, we come to church pretending we follow Jesus and we sing songs with our lips and I love to worship the more. I, was, I literally had tears in my eyes as we were singing and I see some people come in here and you're, it's like you don't even care. It's like some of you come in here and you're just, this is just what you do. Now I'd much rather, the Bible even says, I'd much rather you just stay at home and sleep in than you come in here and fake worship, fake follow Jesus. Being like Simon the Pharisee, just inviting Jesus in. Come on. I see people come in here, and when you guys leave, I see it that you didn't even seek an encounter with Jesus before you came in, and you're leaving unchanged as you go out. You do not seek Jesus. And I struggle with this myself. I'm not, I'm not excluded from this. It's hard daily to follow Jesus, but we're called to do it. And if you have been forgiven much, guess what? You should in return be grateful enough to worship daily. 
every single day, worshiping, following Jesus Christ, expressing the love to Jesus Christ. Are you with me this morning? Jesus wasn't saying that this woman was a greater sinner than the Pharisee. What Jesus was saying is that Simon had must have forgot that he himself was a sinner. It wasn't that she had more sins than him. As he was standing there, he was sinning. Right? But Jesus was saying Simon the Pharisee forgot who he was and what he had come from and what Jesus and God had been doing in his life. Have you ever gotten like that before? Have you ever gotten to a spot where all of a sudden you feel like, hey, I got this now? That's a dangerous spot to be in. Let me tell you right now, you can't do it alone, right? Your sin, or, or, let, let's see what this has to do with Jesus. Look at verse uh, 48. This, this is what it has to do with worship. And, and verse 48 said, and he said, Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Remember that there was something about Jesus that caused this woman to come into the house, express her love towards Jesus. She knew she was a sinner. And I want to remind you as gently as I can, but not caring if you get your feelings hurt, you are a sinner. Right? You are a sinner. I am a sinner. And believe, and I believe that what's so messed up about that, like I said, we have grown numb to that. I've been reading, and this is how God convicted me. Like I said, I've been reading in Mark and the Gospels. And during my time last week, I had just finished Mark, right? But on Thursday of last week, I was sitting in the house and I was reading in my study. And I remember, and I was reading where Jesus was in the garden. Do you remember that? Jesus was about to be um, handed over uh, by Judas. He was about to be betrayed by Judas and be put over into the government's hands, right? And I remember on Thursday, I was reading this, and Jesus asked his disciples, his best friends, to stay awake and to be on guard as he went and did what? As he went to the garden to pray. And and Jesus, and I was reading, and I just remember... So I'm about to get, this, this fired me up. Jesus was so much emotional, right? He was feeling so many emotions. The anxiety was taking him over. We, sometimes we forget that Jesus was human, right? God came in human form. I, I was stressed out last night, right? I was in Houston, Texas. Some of y'all don't know that. I had to go to a wedding, right? I get to the airport. They tell me my flight was canceled, okay? I asked them why. People didn't show up for their job, <laughs> Okay, that's, that's great. Can you get me on the next flight? And I, go to, I have to go to Atlanta and then drive up here. They said, yeah, we got one for midnight. I said, okay, I, I'm young. I'll get a Red Bull, no worries. And I'll drink coffee in the morning. I'll be ready to go for Sunday morning. I looked at the ticket. It said midnight uh, tonight. <laughs> I said, that's not going to work. I need to get to, to East Tennessee. And they said, well, why do you live in East Tennessee? I said, ask God. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing things there. I got to get there because God's doing things there. And I want to be there. And uh, Long story short, I made it to Knoxville. We're going to get my truck tonight. Um, I was stressed out, right? And, and I was wearing a suit, which I don't normally wear, right? Y'all know that. I was in the airport wearing a suit with a big backpack and a hat on, okay? And so I was stressed out. But I, last week as I was reading, that amount of stress that I felt compared to nothing about Jesus Christ and the anxiety and the stress and the betrayal that he felt. He said that he was so stressed to the point where he was sweating blood. That he was begging his God, his Father, if there's any other way to... This is what sin does. It's destroying everything. 
Sin equals death, and Jesus has to die for that sin. And Jesus says, if there's any other way to do this, let's do that. Because I know what's coming. And God said no. Sometimes God says no. Jesus comes, his friends are sleeping, they're there to betray him. He gets turned over, he gets beaten. And I was reading this, I didn't even want to read anymore. God was breaking me down and I just felt so bad for my sin. I felt so guilty. And as I kept reading, because I didn't want to, God said, no, keep going. And I kept reading and I saw how Jesus couldn't even get one friend to admit that he knew him. And they had to get a stranger to come and help Jesus carry this cross that wasn't even meant for him. And I didn't want to keep reading. God said, keep reading. And I kept going. And we get to the mountaintop where they're making fun of Jesus. And on the top of the cross, he's the king of the Jews. They played, they shot dice for his clothes. And I didn't want to keep reading. And they, God said, keep reading. And I saw how Jesus had to die for my sin. And I look around today and it's like we don't even care anymore. America has grown numb to how destructive and how evil and how wicked and what sin has done to this world. And we have grown numb and we've forgotten who we are and how we caused that. And we have forgotten what Jesus did and what he is doing now to fix that. We have forgotten. But there is something about Jesus. There is something about Jesus that caused this woman to give her all to Jesus. Something about Jesus. This woman knew that there was that Jesus was worthy to receive glory and to receive honor and power. There was something so good about Jesus that she expressed her love to him by crying tears and cleaning his feet. Her worship. You have to realize today Like God made me realize you're one of two worshipers. Everyone's a worshiper if you boil down to these two things. You're either like the woman who had an encounter and and she felt the forgiveness of her sins and she worshipped Jesus and, and, and came to Jesus and expressed her love to Him because of how good He is and, and what He was to do and literally gave Him everything. The ointment... The money she made from her job for being a prostitute, her hair, which made her who she was, she gave it all to Jesus. Or you were like Simon the Pharisee. You don't think you're that bad. You don't need to repent. You know the Bible. You come to church. You don't need forgiveness. You're looking at how righteous you are and you think that that is enough to forgive you of your sins. It's not. It's not. Worship is love expressed. Worship is an encounter with God. Worship looks like you realizing who you are and remembering who God is. Remembering that you are a sinner in need of your debt to be paid. You can never pay the debt of your own sins. You can't. It's impossible. But Jesus can the gospel is about our forgiveness of sins through the faith and through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. When we were studying through Galatians, I said, you can't be saved by your work, but by the work that Jesus has already done. Y'all remember that? Say amen if you remember it. Amen. You cannot save yourself. The gospel is about forgiveness through Jesus 
Christ. Our response to that, if you have felt forgiveness, if you have been redeemed, if you have been uh, surrendered your life to Jesus, not just as Jesus um, the Savior, but Jesus your Lord, meaning you're surrendering to Him. If you have done that, your response to Jesus is to worship. And if it is, that means you are to express your love and gratefulness to Jesus Christ in all areas of your life. Your money, your sex life, your relationships, your family, your job, your success, your failures, your past, your future. Everything is surrendered to Jesus Christ because you love Him and what He has done for you. If you're not doing that, you're Simon the Pharisee. Every aspect, not fearing what others think about you, but because of who God is and what he has done, you worship him. I think that if we were to put fear aside in this place during worship, they might mistake us for Pentecostals. <laughs> That's a good thing. I pray for that. But because of our fear, of what a, if you think that woman, she had a... If anyone had the right to be afraid of what other people thought about her for trying to change her life, you talk about a prostitute coming in to worship Jesus Christ in front of these high priests. She had every right to be afraid. She came down and cried her tears. She came in and gave Jesus everything. We come in here and we say, ah, oh, yeah, I've invited Jesus in. Worship starts with you realizing who God is. Revelation 4 again. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. You realize who God is and what he has done. Then you remember who you are, a sinner in need of grace and forgiveness. Worship is love expressed. If you love God, you will express it. If you have experienced God and his forgiveness, you know what it's like to have your debt paid off. That's a great feeling, right? This is the first time I, I, I want to say thank you. We're, we're, Lucy and I feel really blessed for this job and how God made it happen and, and your support. And, and we, we thank God daily for the job that Lucy has. And the first time in our marriage that we can sit down and plan a budget, right? And y'all pray for me. I'm in trouble all the time, right? But we get to sit down and we plan this budget because we want to glorify God. We want to give more than what we do now. Right? But we're excited for the day we don't have student loan debt anymore. Right? And if one of y'all were to came and offer to pay for that, I would sit down and cry on your feet. Right? And I'll use Lucy's hair to dry it off, you know, and we'll praise God together. Right? But the greatest debt that you can have be forgiven for you is the debt of your sin. The Bible clearly tells us that the wages of sin, the debt, the cost, the penalty for you sinning one time equals death forever. And if you were to die in this moment right now without having surrendered your entire life to Jesus, not just inviting him in, not just saying, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, but completely surrendering. If you did not to do that and you were to die without Jesus, you would die and rot and suffer in hell forever. While everyone else who believed in Jesus is glorifying in the throne room of heaven, singing songs about how we are not experiencing that pain, how we're not experiencing that death anymore. We're praising God because he's worthy of it. And if you were to die without Jesus, rotten hell forever, you're doing that with Satan. And I think some of y'all think that he runs hell. He's suffering as well. 
you will die without Jesus. Maybe you won't die today, but if you choose not to believe in God, the Bible tells us right now that you stand condemned already. But like the woman, you can experience forgiveness. You can experience the weight of your debt and your sin being lifted off because Jesus has already paid it on the cross. Accept him today. Last thing, and I'll have the worship team come on up. Worship is love expressed. Believers, how do you express your love for God? If you are a believer, how do you express your love for God? Are you like this woman giving everything? Or are you like the Pharisee? Do you give him your all or do you hold back and think that you're good? It's time to rededicate your life. Some of y'all need to rededicate your life. It's time to hate your sin and be reminded of what it does. To not just you, but your family, this world, your relationship with God. It's time to hate your sin again. It's time to worship once again. Worship is love expressed. Jesus is willing to die on the cross for you. But you have to do more than just invite him in. You have to surrender your all. We're going to stand. We're going to pray. Stand up, will you please?